Question 134 of Summa Theologica Secunda Secundae Treatise on the Cardinal Virtues The Virtue of Fortitude This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Summa Theologica Secunda Secundae Treatise on the Cardinal Virtues the Virtue of Fortitude, by St. Thomas Aquinas, translated by the Fathers of the English Dominican Province. Question 134 of Magnificence in Four Articles We must now consider magnificence and the vices opposed to it. With regard to magnificence, there are four points of inquiry. First, whether magnificence is a virtue Second, whether it is a special virtue. Third, what is its matter? Fourth, whether it is a part of fortitude. First article, whether magnificence is a virtue. Objection one. It seems that magnificence is not a virtue. For whoever has one virtue has all the virtues as stated above in the Pars Prima Secundae, question 65, article 1. But one may have the other virtues without having magnificence, because the philosopher says in Ethics 4.2 that not every liberal man is magnificent. Therefore, magnificence is not a virtue. Objection to further, moral virtue observes the mean, according to Ethics 2.6. But magnificence does not seemingly observe the mean, for it exceeds liberality in greatness. Now great and little are opposed to one another as extremes, the mean of which is equal, as stated in Metaphysics 10. Hence magnificence observes not the mean, but the extreme. Therefore it is not a virtue. Objection 3 further. No virtue is opposed to a natural inclination, but on the contrary perfects it, as stated above in question 108, article 2, and in question 117, article 1, first objection. Now according to the philosopher in Ethics 4.2, the magnificent man is not lavish towards himself. And this is opposed to the natural inclination one has to look after oneself. Therefore, magnificence is not a virtue. Objection for further. According to the philosopher in Ethics 6.4, Act is right reason about things to be made. Now magnificence is about things to be made, as its very name denotes. Translator's note. Magnificence is formed from mania facere, that is, to make great things. Therefore, it is an act rather than a virtue. On the contrary, human virtue is a participation of divine power. But magnificence, virtutis, belongs to the divine power, according to Psalm 47.35. His magnificence and his power is in the clouds. Therefore, magnificence is a virtue. 
I answer that, according to On the Heavens 116, we speak of virtue in relation to the extreme limit of a thing's power, not as regards the limit of deficiency, but as regards the limit of excess, the very nature of which denotes something great. Wherefore, to do something great, whence magnificence takes its name, belongs properly to the very notion of virtue. Hence, magnificence denotes a virtue. Reply to Objection 1. Not every liberal man is magnificent as regards his actions, because he lacks the wherewithal to perform magnificent deeds. Nevertheless, every liberal man has the habit of magnificence, either actually or in respect of approximate disposition thereto, as also in the Pars Prima Secundi, question 65, article 1, when we were treating of the connection of virtues. Reply to Objection 2. It is true that magnificence observes the extreme if we consider the quantity of the thing done. Yet it observes the mean if we consider the rule of reason, which it neither falls short of nor exceeds, as we have also said of magnanimity, in question 129, article 3, first reply. Reply to objection 3. It belongs to magnificence to do something great, but that which regards a man's person is little in comparison with that which regards divine things, or even the affairs of the community at large. Wherefore, the magnificent man does not intend principally to be lavish towards himself, not that he does not seek his own good, but because to do so is not something great. Yet if anything regarding himself admits of greatness, the magnificent man accomplishes it magnificently. For instance, things that are done once, such as a wedding or the like, or things that are of a lasting nature. Thus it belongs to a magnificent man to provide himself with a suitable dwelling, as stated in Ethics 4. Reply to Objection 4. As the philosopher says in Ethics 6.5, there must needs be a virtue of act, that is, a moral virtue, whereby the appetite is inclined to make good use of the rule of act. And this is what magnificence does. Hence, it is not an act, but a virtue. Second Article Whether Magnificence is a Special Virtue Objection 1. It seems that magnificence is not a special virtue for magnificence would seem to consist in doing something great. But it may belong to any virtue to do something great, if the virtue be great, as in the case of one who has a great virtue of temperance, for he does a great work of temperance. Therefore, magnificence is not a special virtue, but denotes a perfect degree of any virtue. Objection to further, Seemingly, that which tends to a thing is the same as that which does it. But it belongs to magnanimity to tend to something great, as stated above in question 129, articles 1 and 2. Therefore, it belongs to magnanimity likewise to do something great. Therefore, 
magnificence is not a special virtue distinct from magnanimity. Objection 3 further. Magnificence seems to belong to holiness, for it is written in Exodus 15.11, Magnificent in holiness, and in Psalm 95, verse 6, Holiness and magnificence in his sanctuary. Now holiness is the same as religion, as stated above in question 81, article 8. Therefore, magnificence is apparently the same as religion. Therefore, it is not a special virtue distinct from the others. On the contrary, the philosopher reckons it with the other special virtues, in Ethics 2, 7, and in Ethics 4, 2. I answer that, it belongs to magnificence to do, facere, something great, as its name implies. Translator's note, magnificence comes from mania facere, that is, to make great things. Now, facere may be taken in two ways, in a strict sense and in a broad sense. Strictly, facere means to work something in external matter, for instance, to make a house or something of the kind. In a broad sense, facere is employed to denote any action, whether it passes into external matter, as to burn or cut, or remain in the agent, as to understand or will. Accordingly, if magnificence be taken to denote the doing of something great, the doing, factio, being understood in the strict sense, it is then a special virtue. For the work done is produced by act, in the use of which it is possible to consider a special aspect of goodness, namely that the work produced, factum, by the act is something great, namely in quantity, value, or dignity, and this is what magnificence does. Hence this way magnificence is a special virtue. If on the other hand magnificence take its name from doing something great, the doing, facere, being understood in a broad sense, is not a special virtue. Reply to Objection 1. It belongs to every perfect virtue to do something great in the genus of that virtue, if doing, facere, be taken in the broad sense, but not if it be taken strictly, for this is proper to magnificence. Reply to Objection 2. It belongs to magnanimity not only to tend to something great, but also to do great works in all the virtues either by making, faciendo, or by any kind of action, as stated in Ethics 4.3. Yet so that magnanimity in this respect regards the sole aspect of great, while the other virtues, which, if they be perfect, do something great, direct their principal intention, not to something great, but to that which is proper to each virtue. And the greatness of the thing done is sometimes consequent upon the greatness of the virtue. On the other hand, it belongs to magnificence not only to do something great, doing, facere, being taken in the strict sense, 
but also to tend with the mind to the doing of great things. And Stully says that magnificence is the discussing and administering of great and lofty undertakings, with a certain broad and noble purpose of mind. Discussion, referring to the inward intention, and administration to the outward accomplishment. Wherefore, just as magnanimity intends something great in every matter, it follows that magnificence does the same in every work that can be produced in external matter, factibili. Reply to Objection 3. The intention of magnificence is the production of a great work. Now works done by men are directed to an end, and no end of human works is so great as the honor of God, wherefore magnificence does a great work especially in reference to the divine honor. Wherefore the philosopher says in Ethics 4.2 that the most commendable expenditure is that which is directed to divine sacrifices. And this is the chief object of magnificence. For this reason, magnificence is connected with holiness, since its chief effect is directed to religion or holiness. Third article. Whether the matter of magnificence is great expenditure. Objection 1. It seems that the matter of magnificence is not great expenditure, for there are not two virtues about the same matter. But liberality is about expenditure, as stated above in question 117, article 2. Therefore, magnificence is not about expenditure. Objection to further. Every magnificent man is liberal, according to Ethics 4.2. But liberality is about gifts rather than about expenditure. Therefore, magnificence also is not chiefly about expenditure, but about gifts. Objection 3 further. It belongs to magnificence to produce an external work. But not even great expenditure is always the means of producing an external work. For instance, when one spends much in sending presents. Therefore, expenditure is not the proper matter of magnificence. Objection for, further, only the rich are capable of great expenditure, but the poor are able to possess all the virtues, since the virtues do not necessarily require external fortune, but are sufficient for themselves, as Seneca says, in On Anger 1 and on the Blessed Life, 16. Therefore, magnificence is not about great expenditure. On the contrary, the philosopher says in Ethics 4.2 that magnificence does not extend, like liberality, to all transactions in money, but only to expensive ones, wherein it exceeds liberality in scale. Therefore, it is only about great expenditure. I answer that. As stated above in Article 2, it belongs to magnificence to intend doing some great work. Now for the doing of a great work, proportionate expenditure is necessary, for great works 
cannot be produced without great expenditure. Hence it belongs to magnificence to spend much in order that some great work may be accomplished in becoming manner. Wherefore the philosopher says in Ethics 4.2 that a magnificent man will produce a more magnificent work with equal, that is, proportionate, expenditure. Now expenditure is the outlay of a sum of money, and a man may be hindered from making that outlay if he love money too much. Hence, the matter of magnificence may be said to be both this expenditure itself, which the magnificent man uses to produce a great work, and also the very money which he employs in going to great expense, and as well as the love of money, which love the magnificent man moderates, lest he be hindered from spending much. Reply to Objection 1. As stated above in Question 129, Article 2, those virtues that are about external things experience a certain difficulty arising from the genus itself of the thing about which the virtue is concerned, and another difficulty, besides, arising from the greatness of that same thing. Hence the need for two virtues, concerned about money and its use, namely, liberality, which regards the use of money in general, and magnificence, which regards that which is great in the use of money. Reply to Objection 2. The use of money regards the liberal man in one way, and the magnificent man in another. For it regards the liberal man inasmuch as it proceeds from an ordinate affection in respect of money. Wherefore all due use of money, such as gifts and expenditure, the obstacles to which are removed by a moderate love of money, belongs to liberality. But the use of money regards the magnificent man in relation to some great work which has to be produced, and this use is impossible without expenditure or outlay. Reply to Objection 3. The magnificent man also makes gifts of presence, as stated in Ethics 4.2, but not under the aspect of gift, but rather under the aspect of expenditure directed to the production of some work, for instance, in order to honor someone, or in order to do something which will reflect honor on the whole state, as when he brings to effect what the whole state is striving for. Reply to Objection 4. The chief act of virtue is the inward choice, and a virtue may have this without outward fortune, so that even a poor man may be magnificent. But goods of fortune are requisite as instruments to the external acts of virtue, and in this way a poor man cannot accomplish the outward act of magnificence in things that are great simply. Perhaps, however, he may be able to do so in things that are great by comparison to some particular work, which, though little in itself, can nevertheless be done magnificently in proportion to its genus, for little and great are relative terms, as the philosopher says. Fourth article, Whether Magnificence is a Part of Fortitude Objection 1. It seems that magnificence is not a part of fortitude, for magnificence agrees in matter with liberality, as stated above in Article 3. 
but liberality is a part not of fortitude, but of justice. Therefore, magnificence is not a part of fortitude. Objection to further, fortitude is about fear and darings. But magnificence seems to have nothing to do with fear, but only with expenditure, which is a kind of action. Therefore, magnificence seems to pertain to justice, which is about actions, rather than to fortitude. Objection 3 further. The philosopher says in Ethics 4.2 that the magnificence man is like the man of science. Now science has more in common with prudence than with fortitude. Therefore, magnificence should not be reckoned a part of fortitude. On the contrary, Tully and Macrobius and Andronicus reckon magnificence to be a part of fortitude. I answer that. Magnificence, in so far as it is a special virtue, cannot be reckoned a subjective part of fortitude, since it does not agree with this virtue in the point of matter, but it is reckoned a part thereof as being annexed to it as a secondary to principal virtue. In order for a virtue to be annexed to a principal virtue, two things are necessary, as stated above in question 80. The one is that the secondary virtue agree with the principal, and that the other is that in some respect it be exceeded thereby. Now, magnificence agrees with fortitude in the point that as fortitude tends to something arduous and difficult, so also does magnificence. Wherefore, seemingly, it is seated, like fortitude, in the irascible. Yet magnificence falls short of fortitude, in that the arduous thing to which fortitude tends derives its difficulty from a danger that threatens the person, whereas the arduous thing to which magnificence tends derives its difficulty from the dispossession of one's property, which is of much less account than danger to one's person. Wherefore, magnificence is accounted a part of fortitude. Reply to Objection 1. Justice regards operations in themselves as viewed under the aspect of something due, but liberality and magnificence regard sumptuary operations as related to the passions of the soul, albeit in different ways. For liberality regards expenditure in reference to the love and desire of money, which are passions of the concupiscible faculty, and do not hinder the liberal man from giving and spending, so that this virtue is in the concupiscible. On the other hand, magnificence regards expenditure in reference to hope by attaining to the difficulty, not simply as magnanimity does, but in a determinate matter, namely expenditure. Wherefore magnificence, like magnanimity, is apparently in the irascible part. Reply to Objection 2. Although magnificence does not agree with fortitude in matter, it agrees with it as the condition of its matter, since it tends to something difficult in the matter of expenditure, even as fortitude tends to something difficult in the matter of fear. 
Reply to Objection 3. Magnificence directs the use of art to something great, as stated above and in the preceding article. Now art is in the reason. Wherefore it belongs to the magnificent man to use his reason by observing proportion of expenditure to the work he has in hand. This is especially necessary on account of the greatness of both those things, since even if he did not take careful thought, he would incur the risk of great loss. End of question 134 Read by Michael Shane Craig Lambert, L.C.